yeah, okay, welcome to Church Jams Now, the podcast where three former youth group kids and current music nerds deep dive into Christian music from the 90s and 2000s. I, of course, am your co-host, Kylan Savage. With me, as always, is Mr. TJ Smith. That's floating Tej on this episode. Ooh, that's fun. And our beautiful producer, Josh Olson. Hey, guys. I can't think of a cool name right now. So, I'm What do you mean? You Josh already have still. a cool name. Your beautiful producer, Josh. Oh, that's true. I'm not Trademark. floating Tej, though. <laughs> I'm floating Trademark, yeah. yeah. I, I feel like there's a way to do Anathalo and Olson. Anatholson. 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 Oh, guys. Okay. This is why we don't do part A's after we do trivia. <laughs> big night. Other things. It was a big night. We had our first trivia night on so our Patreon. Fun. So if it sounds like to our listeners, like you're tuning in to people at the wind down of a party. Hey, guess what? You're right. You and the way to not miss out on the next party is to join us over on patreon.com slash church jams now podcast. Yeah, it's true. It sounds but like listen. we had the most fun. It's because we did. And we you did can have fun with us <laughs> next time. But That's also what cool. Kylan and Josh don't know is they're about to have the time of their lives listening to the album we're covering this week. Really? It, it's going to blow your minds. Is it really? Okay. It is. So, okay. Well, maybe we should get into that because I don't know what the heck we're talking about. <laughs> yep. Would you like me to uh, tell you a little bit more about it? Yes. Okay. What what album are we covering this week? What 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 are we doing? What are we doing? <laughs> I've spent all of my mental energy over the past week doing this trivia night, and then which was wonderful. And you then did a great job. you, thank you. And then you surprised me by being like, "Hey, we're recording this other episode." Not really. I I fully understand that you told me this like <laughs> three weeks ago, and as an adult, I should have been prepared. But you know what? I new just, year, new bit. Exactly. <laughs> Not my responsibility. You surprised me. I don't know what we're doing. Well, the best part is for this part, you can just get to sit there and listen and. Hear me talk about some stuff and hear TJ talk about some stuff. I'm so into that. Let's do That's it. true. Well, uh, we, we are covering the band Anathalo and their record Floating World, which is one of TJ's wishlist records <gasps> and one that he specifically picked for this year. I yeah. didn't know that. I didn't know yeah. it was one of your wishlist records. Is. Yeah, Buzz. Yeah. Oh, boy. This is your first one of the year that isn't ACB because you had some ACB ones on your list. True. But. But but it, I, I kind of love that it's like something that neither of y'all really know much about. That's that feels very on brand for me. I like, had never even heard of this until you, you were like, never heard of Zenithal, you hear these like, records, and I was like, I have no idea who this is. Okay, so <laughs> this is one of those bands that like I guarantee you I know probably like five songs from this record. Okay, but I think I always confused Anathalo with Deus Vale. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. Could see that. I, I think it I was. Mean, it was like my hot the... take is gonna be that they're like way better than Deus Vale, but um. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So Deus Vale was kind of a local band for me. They're great. No, no disrespect. But I think the kind of like right because they're like um oh my god what was the other band? There was another band that was like this from Denton in the early two thousands. 
It wasn't Fox and the Bird, but there is this whole Mid-Lake? kind of like it wasn't Mid Lake. Lydia. I don't know if they're from Denton. They Maybe like Lydia. Similar. Yeah, there's this whole kind of like emo like chamber emo pop. Yeah, exactly. Kind of thing. Yep. And I feel like Anathalo fit in like very perfectly within that. They do. But I'm very curious to find out how correct that was. Yeah. I mean, I'll, like the shorthand, the best shorthand I can give y'all is they basically Anathalo is like the Christian, the, the real words are failing me now, guys. But they're like the not. That's that's the way to say it. They're the not Sufjan Stevens, Sufjan Stevens band. Mm-hmm. Which probably explains quickly to y'all why right. they're one of my wish list albums. So how do they <laughs> Like fit when he in... was in Danielson and Neil? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like that. how do they fit in with like Margo and the nuclear so-and-sos? Because that was more in my scene. And I, for some reason, I kind of like equivocate those two bands a little bit. I don't know if I think- that's. What I would say is Margot is more stomp clap and Anathalo is more like uh s- s- like actual like cerebral folk. Okay. If that so makes sense. here's 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 my big question. Is Anathalo May with cello? That's a fair question. I'm gonna let you answer your own question by the okay, end of our okay. episode. All right, sweet. I'm not going to answer that for you because I, I like that question. I'm going to let you answer it. Yeah, <laughs> okay. that's good. Because in my brain, that's another sort of like connection point that I that's have. That's great. <laughs> I would say like vocally, they're super similar, which is okay. like really cool, actually, that you made that parallel like okay. happen. But um, Sweet. Yeah, man. They're a lot of fun. And Sweet. I'm, I'm so excited to talk about this record. Josh, why don't you give us some actual context? Because <laughs> I'm just like throwing to. weird anecdotes. That... I would love to, but well, then we'll get to anecdotes because it sounds like you're going to be the only one that has anecdotes for this record, and I'm it's very possible. excited to hear about them. Yep. But Anathalo are originally from Mount Pleasant, Michigan. Their career is from 2000 to 2010. Their mm. name is derived from a Greek word meaning to renew, refresh, or bloom again. Mm-hmm. They have many members of their band. They do. Uh, a lot of people. Okay, I, I think this is where the Margot and the nuclear so and so's thing comes a in lot for of me. People. Totally, because it's more like a, a collective than a band almost. Yeah. Oh wait, are you thinking of the Polyphonic Spree? Yes. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course, Kylan. Yes. Right. They're like the not Hari Krishna. Yep. Polyphonic Spree. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Sorry, Josh. Okay. Who all is in this <laughs> band? Okay, for this record, we have Danny Bracken on guitar. Everyone out here has like vocals and percussion credits, so I'm just gonna skip those. But yeah, Danny yeah. Bracken has guitar credits. Andrew Dost Dost has flugelhorn and piano and vocal credits. Flugelhorn, you don't hear that yeah. a lot. You don't no. hear that a lot, and no. that was his first one that I saw. So interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not know this, but he is the third member of the band Fun. Thank you. Oh, Thank you. wow! I was really? always like, I was always like, who's the other third member? Because obviously. You know Jack and Nate, but yeah, right. I didn't know. I couldn't remember who the third one was. But and this, this guy. and this is a big oh, part of why I wanted wow. to cover this record in this okay. band, because he is underappreciated, and like people need to be talking about him because I okay. think he is like part of the reason that fun is so fun. Oh, 
Okay. Well, wow. and it's so interesting. Like he's the only one that hasn't like isn't in that we don't know about as much because like Nate, you knew about format up to fun, and then totally. fun happened, and then obviously Jack Antonoff is who he is now. Right. Yeah. Just exploding. but yeah, so he's the third. Andrew was just hanging out. He was yeah. Like, I'm good. <laughs> committed to the art. Yep. You know, not That's trying it. to get big. Committed to the art. That's yeah. That. So that was yeah, that was crazy. I was like, oh, whoa, what a pull. Yep. Crazy. <laughs> Band I never heard of. So, um, Matt Joint does vocals and guitar. Nathan Sandberg is on trombone, and J- Joel Thiel is on drums. Seth Walker is on bass, and Brett Wallen is on trombone. Wait, there's that's two, two trombones. Two trombones. Yeah, maybe they're yeah. So, oh boy. Okay. So, at least according to Wikipedia, the scans of the record did not have credits for. It just had the names. It didn't have like specific instruments. So. This is yeah, according okay. to Wikipedia. So, Floating World, the record we're covering, uh, is the English translation of the Japanese concept of ukuyo. This is such sure a that. TJ record. Yeah, it's, no, looking into it, <laughs> even just the, I looked at the artwork and the track list. I was like, this is the most TJ. <laughs> this is the TJ it. origin story right here <laughs> is this record. It's it so is so is. good. It was released February 25th of 2006, it, which makes it 17 years old. It is their third album in their discography. It is under the label Artist Friendship, which I'm guessing is like their own label, but it did look like they were on or distributed by Network, which is like Old Crow Medicine Show, Passenger, a bunch of other big bands. Mm. Mm. Uh, producer, this was another really fun thing that I liked. Uh, producer, it says it was recorded at home by Glenn Hills and Anathalo, and Glenn Hills is listed as an additional musician. And I couldn't really find any other production credits that he has on Discogs. Mm. But TJ, did you know drums and electric guitars were recorded at Glow in the Dark Studios by Matt freaking Goldman? No. Yes, I did. And he makes the record too. But it makes so much sense because it sounds so good. Matt Goldman, and isn't like, it fun? I love like, that he's on like, it. Like that's so like great. Finding all of, all of these like connection points from yes. these records that we loved back in the day. Of mm-hmm. like, it it all ties back to Matt Goldman. This is like, oh yeah, it might as well be called Goldman Jams now. <laughs> Seven degrees of Matt Goldman. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. He's the best. No, that's so um, good. and that really. Wraps up the rest of my uh, research because they don't have any charts to report on. Mm. So, and then all the songwriting credits, I think, are just shared within the band. So, that is all my research. And really, that's all I have to say about this record. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. I mean, me too. I don't know this record. Like, I feel like I very, like, tangentially mm. am aware of this record, but I don't know this record. To quote, I a did great see Jedi someone. Master. I was like, you will. Oh, shit. No, I fucked that quote. He says, you will be. That doesn't work there. I did see someone on Twitter recently tweet about this record and, like, especially the CD packaging, which I really? assume you yeah. want to talk about, TJ. But yeah, I did see someone recently, like, we're about to cover that. Like, crazy. How nice. random. Yeah. Yeah. The, C- the, the, the physical album packaging is really cool because it's like layers. There's like, the outside paper, which has like a cutout um, shape, and then there's the like the background insert that has a bunch of colors on it. It's hard to describe. Listeners, just right. go go 
like google yeah, look it, at some pictures it yeah it's very cool sweet okay so tj what else do you have to say about this band dude okay so you know those bands that like you don't really necessarily know a ton about them like like josh basically you just you just told me a lot about this band that i didn't know um but you know those bands that you just kind of fall in love with their their sort of ethos or their vibe and the experience that you had with them maybe at a concert or even just listening to an album and you don't really you right. kind of i don't know if y'all have ever done this but like you kind of intentionally don't really pursue you know the the details because right. yeah, you yeah. want to keep it sort of mysterious you it's like the jaws thing like don't show me the don't show me the Bruce shark, you know. Right. <laughs> like, I want to I want to like enjoy the mystery and like the 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 esoteric nature that is this band. I needed it to stay sort of mysterious and and fun. Mm. So they were um, a band that I discovered at Cornerstone in 2006. Um, oh, cool! It was my first time to Cornerstone, and I don't even remember why I checked them out. To be honest. But it was one of those like, it wasn't the two trombones on stage. <laughs> no, because that would make me immediately go. <laughs> Don't forget about the I flugelhorn. Gotta see this. <laughs> yeah, two flugel trombones horn. and a flugelhorn. Uh, that's my favorite DC track. That's our DC dog podcast. Yeah. <laughs> two trombones and a flugelhorn. <laughs> two trombones and a flugelhorn. About three people are gonna With get that. Just two trombones and, and a flugelhorn. <laughs> Praising the Lord. That's so good. In Bushnell, Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no they were like they were playing one of the folk tents around the same time as another band that i was going to see and so i was like i'll just go early and check out this band it was something okay. like that and they just yeah they had like seven members on stage or something and like a whole yeah like a whole brass section like josh explained i think there was somebody that was like entirely dedicated to the xylophone for the whole set okay. that sounds <laughs> i feel like, like i feel awesome. like 2006 to 2010 was like the sweet spot for quote unquote chamber pop. Yeah, exactly. Of this like indie folk thing that like utilized kids that were in band. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So where there was like cello or horns or whatever. Yeah. Like these weird parts of like kids that weren't normally in bands got to like be in bands in bands yeah yeah and they shout got out to, to like jonathan make... hugendorn by the way <laughs> yes. oh yeah <laughs> because for sure <laughs> because as a cello player i feel like he played in every hot hot quote-unquote hot band oh at, everyone wanted him. at <laughs> dbu for like three years yeah oh yeah he was a hot ticket item oh you got hoog in your band Day. yeah exactly yeah no so th- i don't know they just kind of blew my mind because they were not, they were unabashedly like like you said like that kind of like folk chamber pop and mm-hmm. i think like i was list- i remember like on our road trip up to bushnell i was listening to illinois like come on feel the illinois like i was i was like mm-hmm. listening to that i was going to bushnell illinois and then i found this band that was basically like not sufjan sufjan and I was just like, this is everything. These guys are great. And and I don't want that to feel sort of referential or derivative um, because they're their own thing. And y'all will see, I think, like when you dig into this album, I think you'll you'll see their 
their unique qualities sonically, especially the vocals um, and the arrangements are just like mind blowing. And to experience that for the first time live and for it to really sound good. Like I remember the mix being very balanced for yeah. for seven or eight people on stage. I was like, I didn't have words for that at the time. I was a junior in high school, but I was like, I can Putting hear that sound guy through the ringer, <laughs> the horns. He's like, like, I'm used to just metal bands, guys. Like, what are you doing to me? <laughs> yeah. Or punk bands, like three piece outfits. Yeah. And here's an eight, eight piece, you know, all kinds of orchestral instruments on stage. But it, it, yeah, it was just like kind of um, game changing for me. It was like a genre bending live experience for me. I don't think I'd ever seen something like that. Uh, and I was like just understanding polyphonic spree and like Sufjan and, and cha- like chamber pop as a genre. Like I think I was still figuring out Vampire Weekend, you know, and like what right. it meant. Arcade Fire, like these these bands that are like out there with mm. full orchestral arrangements that aren't the Beatles or the Beach Boys, right, you know? Right. And so to have a band at this plucky, you know, like Christian uh, music festival in this tent where like there's not even a floor. We're just kicking up dust there in our jorts with our fullets. <laughs> like, and then there's there's this happening in front of us. Like it was just a real, it was a. Yeah, it was a formative moment for me, for sure, and so Sweet. that's why we're gonna we're gonna float into the world of Anathello. Ooh, very nice! I, I love like that. that. Yeah. Okay, so do we have anything it. else to say about the band, Josh? Do you have anything? I want I'm some flopper bot predictions from you. Yeah, literally nothing about the mm, band. That's what well, I want. I'm. Like I said, if in my mind this is May with cello and flugelhorn, <laughs> uh, dude, I think I think it is a travesty that I have not connected with this band more. I think this is gonna I be agree. like, like I have a pretty good feeling like this is a hundred percent my vibe, mm-hmm. and. I'm going to like regardless of how long this record is this feels 54 like... minutes and oh, 28 Jesus. seconds. Okay. Okay. Um yeah, it's an investment to be sure. This to be fair, this feels like my kind of shit. You know what I mean? Like I feel like I'm I'm going to bop this album. Cool. I think there's enough That's about it that on. you will. So, right. I appreciate you predicting yeah. that for yourself. Yeah. It it makes the most sense to me to bop this album. Mm, I love that. I can't wait. Yeah. What about you, Josh? Nice. Okay. Uh well, I am not like the biggest Sufjan fan and like all this like chamber pop and these these kinds of bands like I'm not really into that stuff, so like that kind of like makes me a little bit tentative. I was thinking I don't f- go in and flop a lot of records, so I thought it would be fun to predict a flop just to like, <laughs> yeah, make, like just, just high stakes up. kind of thing. Right. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but I get so I'm that. like, I don't know, but I like, I looked at the artwork and like, you know, how you can get vibes from the artwork and track listing and like, mm-hmm. so I'm like, I'm I'm getting good vibes from it, and you know, it's Matt freaking Goldman, guys. Right. Like, you go, man. Yeah. Anything. Okay. So like, like to be fair. TJ, what you said earlier, I have a feeling that this will be like Deus Fail, but better. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, it is. I I think I'll like it because I'm pretty hit or miss on Deus Fail. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's a discussion Spoiler. for another time. Spoiler for when we do it. It's real. Okay. <laughs> yep. So, you know, yeah, I thought about just doing a flop just to like put some stakes in the I love game and stuff like that. I, I love like that. It, but because, I appreciate it. Yeah. I respect that. Yeah. Because Plus, I just I feel like you know what? I will. I really don't know. But yeah, I might just. I feel like it's an authentic answer just, uh, from you, and that's. I that's love you committing for. to the flop prediction because I feel like of the three of us, like TJ is usually the one that will be brave enough to predict a flop, and you and I both, yeah, Josh. I feel like I feel like we predict bops more often than not. So I'm excited for a flop prediction. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah, just just to keep it fun. I, I yeah. really have no idea where it'll land, but I could see myself getting into this. I could also see myself not. So, but yeah. so sweet. On that 50-50, I'm like, let's just make it more fun and let's say a flop. Okay, sweet. Yeah. So, uh, let's listen to some sweet, sweet advertisements. Oh, wait. wait, TJ, wait. it's obviously a bop. Right? Oh yeah. Oh, sorry. I just assumed <laughs> that since. It was a TJ wish list. It was oh, going to yeah. be you a Bob. You wish a list, an the, album that you can just flop so hard. I mean, that would be a Sarah move, would it not? It would it be. Would be. Um, but no, yeah, this is a hard chamber full, chamber pop, bop. So. Okay, chamber pop, bop. Yeah, for sure. All right, so let's listen to some sweet, sweet advertisements, and when we come back, we will Floating dive into Floating World, World by Anathalo. By Anathalo. Hey, jammers! I always feel weird calling saying jammers. Now. Why? It's the best because we don't we don't do it consistently enough. We only do it whenever it deserves to be overused. That's true. We'll All right, hey, jammers! Thanks for taking time out of your podcast listening experience to join us here in Adland, where we're going to talk about Clyde Records. ClydeRecords.com, in fact, is the the URL that you would want to go to to experience everything that Collide Records has to offer. And it is amazing. What do they what do they have? They got all kinds of music that you would want. CDs, vinyl, music that we cover on the show, that a lot of artists that you'll hear here. And then also just other artists is not limited to that. So you can pick up something that you're hearing us talk about on the show and then something else, you know, that just came out from a big time artist. They got anything that you want, really. YouTube. YouTube. They got that new, yeah, Songs of Surrender, that big old box set. They got that. So, and the cool thing is that they've got big releases, but they've also got some like pretty niche stuff in there that like it's hard to find, especially mm-hmm. if you're looking at CDs. I've picked up a few rare CDs from Collide and it's uh, it's pretty cool. So they got some good stuff on there to find. Stuff that you can't really find in print anymore. That's the coolest thing, you know, for all of you haters out there saying that we sold out. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I'm glad you said that, Kylan. That Everyone's saying movie? that about us these days. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Listeners, he just waved his finger. He wagged his finger at us. This is legitimately staying in the please, please for sure. Please um, yeah, no, we love Collide Records, man, because like, yeah, the inventory that they have is just astounding uh, for music nerds like ourselves. And for our listeners, if you find something that you really like on CollideRecords.com at checkout, if you type in Church Jams Now in the promo code section, you get 20% off. That's so good. Your first purchase, yeah. 
You get 20% off your first purchase, which is just, I think we rad. can all confirm that it does work. Yes, yeah. yes. We've all confirmed that it works, which is Very so cool. cool. Yeah, uh, I love being able to partner with Collide Records. I'm going to say it one more time, and then we'll get back to the show. Visit colliderecords.com, and if you find something that you really love when you're checking out in the promo code section, type in Church Jams now for 20% off your first purchase. Sweet, sweet savings. Uh-uh-uh. Uh-uh-uh. Oh, no. uh-uh-uh. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. I hope you enjoyed those sweet, sweet ad messages. Uh, I know for a fact that we enjoyed recording them. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. So we're back. For us, it's a week later. We have listened to Floating World by Anathalo. Uh, TJ, this was your wish list record, right? It was one of my wish lists. That's right. Okay. Uh, do we have any general thoughts about this record before we dive into it? I have many thoughts, but none <laughs> of them are general. None of them. They're very specific. <laughs> very specific. Um, no, well, ask a question. I would love to. So love to I, okay, because of the way that my brain works, I don't remember. I predicted a bop for this, correct? Mm-hmm. You did. And Josh, what did you predict? I Went flop. You predicted a flop. To TJ obviously tension. was a bop. TJ, I just I w- I want to know like now having like re listened to the record, mm-hmm. can I get your flop or bop predictions for Josh and I? Oh, that's good. I'm curious, mm. like having like recently re listened to this record and doing what um what episode and knowing how we think what about what volume records. is this? Josh is this volume forty six forty six doing forty six of these. How how you feel, Josh and I will fall on to see the, if I've like, like gained this. enough context on the flop or bop spectrum. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I think you're both gonna flop it after the re-listen. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and I don't want to do, say do, too do much. Do you want to explain why. it? Yeah, that, that's what I was curious. Do you want to explain it, or think, do we want to like get into it? I think yeah, we should just get into it. And I'm curious to see if the reason if if I'm right, and then if the reasoning that I have in my head is what y'all share. Okay. So this will be this will be interesting. interesting. Yeah. yeah. I'm That's a good I'm, question. That's fun. Oh, yeah. that's fun. Yeah. I, I'm excited to to talk about it. I will say the biggest thing for me is I'm, you know, a, as the guy that typically kind of like moves the show forward mm-hmm. uh, and gives the track names, I'm pretty upset <laughs> that I don't speak Japanese. Yeah, you should be. <laughs> and there's a <laughs> hell of a lot of Japanese yeah, we're in gonna these song titles. Yeah. So I just want, you know, I just want to get that out front, like right away. I do not speak Japanese. I fully understand I'm going to butcher these song titles. But you're the only one here who has been to Japan. So that's yeah, that is, it's really on you is what I'm saying. It, it is. It is. I Japan, take, but that doesn't count. I take full responsibility. Uh, I, I'm going to try my hardest because some of these, the song titles, they do say like as lyrics within the song. So I'm going mm-hmm. to try, um, but I fully apologize for any of our Japanese speaking listeners. Uh, if yep. I mess up song titles. Or are bad. any of our Japanese spouses. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mine specifically. Um, okay. So we ready to just dive right in? Let's, Let's do it. See, I'm already so stressed out because I don't know how to say this. <laughs> is it Ame? Is it Aim? Is it Aime? Is it? I think it's Ame. It... Okay. We're going with Ame. All right. I'm, I'm deferring to you, TJ. 
That's probably a mistake. Fairly or unfairly. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do it. 2006's Floating World by Anna Thalo. This is track number one, Ame. I just said this is my favorite song on the record. <laughs> <laughs> it's all downhill from here. <laughs> no, what if I was crazy. like legitimately moved by this? You're like, this is amazing. The song of the sticks clicking together. I wrote mm-hmm. fun clicky they're sounds. Like, yeah. They're like, let's record this. I kind of get it. I understanding I'm it. it's fine. On a conceptual level, like the whole vibe of the album, this makes a lot of sense as an right. intro like, track. It it made more sense to me once I got through the whole record. Yeah. Uh, First listen through, it stressed me out, man. I can't remember if we talked about that this album is based on a lot of Japanese folklore and fairy tales. No, I don't think we did. We we did not, but I knew that because I did research because my first listen through of this album, I was like, what the hell is this? (laughs) So I did some research. Yeah. And there is to be something like there is some like really cool stuff. All the Japanese folklore references and stuff. So when you when you know that it kind of contextualizes like this weird atmospheric organic stick clicky yeah it it feels like walking through a forest or like a wooden house or something right that's kind of like a little fantastic like a scene that's very ethereal and like strange so that's mm-hmm. I think that's them setting the tone no it's um, a good mood setter for yeah. sure and I do like that it's only like what fifty three seconds. Like it's right. not like a minute and a half. Right, it's right. a minute and a half would be like, guys, this is too much. But fifty three seconds, sure. Yeah, if it's it. under a minute, I'm fine with these kinds of of intro tracks. Right. Like, uh, and it transitions perfectly into super well the next song. How do we say that one, Kylan? <sighs> okay, we ready? <laughs> we ready to move on to track two? <laughs> Let's do uh, it. Ready okay, to, track number two. <laughs> Genesarat? Is it Gennesarat? Gennesarat? I don't know, dude. That'd I'm so stressed guess. out. Gennesarat? I've always thought of it with the hard G, but who knows? Gennesarat? Yeah. Parentheses, going out over 30,000 fathoms of water. It's true. We looked hard. I stood on the bottom. Callous tip. Toes splintering wood water locking break up come back together Ganesha. Yeah, it's a great transition. Yeah. Yeah, really sure. beautiful. And fun fact, Ganesha is another term for the Sea of Galilee. Yes, oh cool. Is. I did not know that. Uh, can I tell you my first note? Sure. Uh, so based on on our part A, we talked a little bit about the like, you know, the Sifion Stevens references. Yes. Yes. Uh, then this song came on and I was like, oh, I didn't expect it to be this. Yeah. Much, much Sufjan Stevens. <laughs> yeah. I think it was like a little subgenre for like a hot It was. Second. It totally was. Yeah. You know, and these these guys were part of it. But. It is very specific, and that's that's yeah. something I'll bring up a lot as we go through this album is like, I mean, it's obviously very niche, like it's this Japanese folklore concept album, but... Like Pinkerton. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> just like Pinkerton. 
you nailed it, Josh. Um, but I, I think of like Van Gogh and like his like sunflowers painting or like the starry night or something. And it's like the whole album is basically one painting and each song is like a chunk of the painting. So you like either that. like the shades that he uses when he paints the starry night or the sunflowers, right. like you either really like dark blue or, you know, goldenrod yellow or you don't. Right. right. So that's, that's, that's the way that's I'm going to like yeah, yeah. sort of set up this album uh, for listeners. And as we talk about it, obviously I'm yeah. here for it. It was my wish list. No, for sure. So, for sure. And okay. So, but it is in that Sufi kind of genre. It is. So well, very... so I feel like the lead singer has two kind of like vocal modes. He's got the like, really like Sufjan sort of plaintiff. Like it's almost like head voice. It's like mm-hmm. kind of nasally. And then he's got his like angsty, like Midwest emo. Yeah. Almost thing? like Lydia kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And he kind of vacillates between the two. And obviously yep. I have a preference of one over the other. Sure. Um, <laughs> but it's I, not the, it's not the emo one. Obviously. It, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. You don't like emo <laughs> no, at all. Not at all. <laughs> I loved the, the, like the backup vocals on this, like the harmonies, the, the choral sounds. Yeah. Great textures. I did write after this though. Oh boy, there's going to be a lot of glockenspiel on this record, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. In bells. my opinion, potentially maybe overused glockenspiel. <laughs> uh, I'm not the biggest glockenspiel fan. And how many times can I say glockenspiel? But are you a glockenspiel <laughs> and flugelhorn combo fan? Is what mm. I want to know. Mm-hmm. Well, how many times we will... do you get those two together? <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> Uh, I do like to say Glockenspiel and Flugelhorn. Those are both potentially yeah. more than I like to listen to Glockenspiel and Flugelhorn. <laughs> sure, uh, dude, their shaker game is on point. I will say that <laughs> throughout this whole record, their shaker game is on point. <laughs> and I think just the musicianship across the board, like whether or not you like the parts or you like the choices, the compositional choices for sure. The performances, I would, I would guess y'all would have respect for if you could just like isolate the parts sure. and be like, yeah, is this a well-performed part of Spiel? Yeah. I, I have a, <laughs> I have a more kind of generalized note about that, that, that I want to get into later, but the musicianship on this record is insane. Oh yeah. So uh, it all it's sounds like really, great. really, really good. Right. I did TJ, uh, in honor of your wish list record, oh. I decided to institute a rating system. Awesome. Oh, wow. For songs CJ on this record. First. So cool. it started out being inspired by your thumb system. Okay. I like it. Oh. And we'll then see. What we'll, we'll see as we move on. I'm not going to tell you guys, but I will say oh, okay. that this song got one thumb. Okay. One thumb. We don't know out of how many. Or is no, that we'll, we'll, that we'll, to us we'll get there. in time. We will. Okay. Get there. All right. Cool. So we have no context, but no context. <laughs> it's no like context. Just, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It's, it's all made up. Cool. Yeah. This was like it. It, it was very Sufjan Stevens, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting because uh, so I actually did like after listening to this record, I did like more research than I typically do. Mm. I watched. Uh, they have on YouTube. They have a whole like hour long concert video of them doing this album in Japan. Cool. That I watched. 
I didn't know I that. read I read reviews from Pitchfork. I read reviews from a, a local Michigan paper. I like I like I did a bunch of research. I started doing deep dives on these like Japanese folktales and stuff. Um, right. Because I wanted to get more kind of context. Right. Kind of going in. And, and I think that's cool that like listening to the album like led you into all of that, mm-hmm. which is yeah. cool. Yeah. And across the board, they have a lot of like, oh, this is kind of like Diet Sufjan Stevens, uh, <laughs> which which I feel like is honestly a little bit of a reduction of, of what they're trying to do. But I will say, with, with that being said, I think opening the record with this being the kind of like first track that you really get a sense of like what the band is, because the first track is just intro. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get that comparison. Like like yeah, more on sure. this track than anything else, specifically his vocal performance uh, and oh, the yeah. sort of like movements that they do. And all the orchestral arrangements. But I feel like I, I haven't listened to any of their previous stuff, but I mean, they have stuff that predates this. So they're like, they were coming out with their stuff probably right around the same time Sufjan was. So right. it's not like they just heard Sufjan and were like, oh, let's make that a no. band. Like they no, I don't think probably, they were derivative. Yeah, yeah. So I don't see, like it seems that way to us because I'm more familiar with Sufjan. Right. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. Wow, you're do- going very Sufjan here. But I'm like, you guys were probably just doing the very similar thing right. around the same time as each other. Mm-hmm. Which I guess I, I I think that's 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 kind of the point that I'm making because I don't I don't feel exactly that way throughout the rest of the record. But this song in particular, as like the first like real song that you hear on the record. It does just like like I, I can't help but make those comparisons. You know what I mean? And I feel yep. like that's honestly a little bit of a bummer for them as a band. Like, because mm-hmm. I don't want to, but that's like my sort of like cultural experience and touchstone of of hearing this kind of music. You know what I mean? For sure. And it's different for me because I was like kind of getting like I had I had been enjoying Sufjan for a couple of years. And then I found this band and I was like, Oh, there's other people doing this kind of music, even though I wouldn't have even been able to think of the words chamber pop or chamber folk or any of that. Right. But I, I understood that it was in the same like atmosphere of music. And, but I could, because I was listening to them at the same time, I could sort of suss out the differences. I think for me as a listener, that really did create a distinguishing sound for Anathello and a distinguishing sound for Sufjan. And, you know, it wasn't so much referential as it was like parallel. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Totally. So yeah. And, but that was and, just entirely based on my listening experience, you know, and, yeah. and, by, and seeing them at Cornerstone and being like, like I had a very visceral, like visual experiential understanding of who they were as a band. And it was very exactly. specific. Yeah. And so that that's going to inform anybody's like exactly experience well, with the band or well, we, relationship we've, to them. we've talked about that before. Like, uh, and I was talking to my wife about that today of like TJ, you and I have talked about that. I hated fleet foxes <laughs> until I saw on the helplessness blues tour. I saw fleet foxes live. Right. I, I get, get it. it. <laughs> I get it. They're doing yeah. these like harmony. They're doing these things in real time and it is a magical beautiful experience Mm -hmm. and i'm glad you brought up fleet foxes because i think they also are very similar in a lot of ways and othello like especially this earlier stuff feels like early fleet foxes like the the sun ep 
I don't know. I this song especially I like because it doubles down on the whole like we're weird indie chamber folk right. and we know it. Like that that's <laughs> obviously this is a wish list for me. Like it, it worked for me. It, well, it, it landed. Because <laughs> the surreal lyrics. Yeah, my different... my biggest takeaway from this whole record was like this makes so much sense why TJ likes oh, this yeah. record. No. And like, my I first listen, like, I was like, this is the most TJ record. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like I understand it. Like, kind of the way with, like, on our Patreon, like, like when we did Secular GMs Now with, like, Orange Rhyming Dictionary. Oh, yeah. I feel like I understand you as a musician better mm-hmm. for having listened to this record now. Totally. Completely. Yeah. yeah. And we, we felt very much that way yeah. on the Patreon episode. For anybody that's, yeah. that hasn't checked that out yet, do it. It's a good oh, one. That's so good. Do you know what my next note on this song is going to be and what my note for most of these songs is going to be? Too long. It has to do... <laughs> yes. It's too long. I don't baby. know how you guessed that to you. <laughs> how did I do you that? know me wow. so well. And I love that. I love that you know me. We both learned well. about each other. Kind yeah. of learned about you so much through this record and you... No kind so much. Right. Like, as I listened to it the first time (laughs) when I was doing notes for for this album, I was like, oh, man, I'm really (laughs) loving this part. Uh, We're only like a minute in, right? And then I look down and it's like four minutes in and I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) Kylan's skipped this one already. I know it. He's done. (laughs) To be fair, I I did not (laughs) skip any song on this record. I listened to it all the way through. Good job, bud. Thank you. I appreciate it. Speaking of skips... I want to say, I like the lyric, I want to skip like a stone from a stronger arm. It's great, right? It's, very it's good. good. I like that a lot. Yeah. The uh, metaphor is strong. Mm-hmm. It is. It All is. right, guys, we're, we're doing our typical thing where we talk about the first song for 20 minutes. I want to just of say, because I haven't said much here, that for, uh, this is a linear song structure, and mm-hmm. for the entire record, is all linear strong song structures. There aren't any repeated choruses, any, like... This is obviously the A section. Like, this is obviously a first verse. This is obviously a second verse. Like, so that yeah. is something that we'll go back to. Yeah, I'm glad but you yeah that, that just introduces that. Yeah, to the record. I'm, I'm, I'm right. going to talk about that repeatedly. Later. I will too. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I don't particularly connect with songs that just have like movements as opposed to like first course pop song structure but there are parts that i really enjoy so let's move on to track number three hey i can say this one hoodwink of like them having the intro track and then that long chill second track like when the full band finally does come in you're like oh yeah i've been waiting six minutes for this to happen yeah yeah. it's a very it's a very like relieving sense you're like yeah cool yep it finally hits and you feel like it's a rock record like to a degree for a moment right this is the first time this the kind of like indie rock part came in comes through yeah exactly and i love this intro part if it was just this intro part this would be my favorite song on the record oh cool i i, I love his voice 
once again, he's doing the kind of the more like emo thing mm-hmm. on this. And hey, this has some sweet, sweet bass, y'all. Yeah, it does. Oh, yes, yeah, it, does. it does. Even when the bass first comes in, I'm di- even though they're playing like simple stuff, I'm like, yeah, that's like the perfect part there. Yeah, yeah they're not overplaying. They're just kind of like yeah. filling it in with interesting flavor. Uh, TJ, I want to know what you think about this song. Uh, I really like it. I, this, when we got to track three, I was like, oh yeah, this was one of my favorites. Like, I don't know if it's my favorite track, but it's definitely one that, like when I think of Anathalo, I think of this song and, a, a one or two others on this album. And then, uh, a handful on Canopy Glow, their next album. Yeah. I, I like the kind of weird eclectic, like kind of stomp clap percussion and and like the shakers and like chains and things like that like all the yeah. weird ox ox per, perk stuff yeah so that was the coolest part about watching that japanese live video mm-hmm. is they're all basically auxiliary percussionists yes. like everyone that is doing they're playing guitar and auxiliary percussion they're playing piano yeah. and auxiliary percussion the band hustles <laughs> They yeah, the one guy <laughs> that is just auxiliary percussion. It was so funny because we we were watching it and my wife was like, everyone looks so intense except like the guy that's like playing shaker and floor tom is having the time <laughs> of his life. And I was like, yeah, that's the best place to be in any band. It's true. The auxiliary <laughs> percussion player, you just get to like live your best life yeah, and it's a very vibing. specific personality <laughs> type and i was telling her like so joe was my like auxiliary percussion <laughs> guy we gave him totally. like a bass drum and a floor tom and a harmonica and a tambourine and he just like went crazy on stage <laughs> and it's just like it's like that guy that guy's like living his best life <laughs> yeah having the best time that's true man so and then true. you got like a flute one solo <laughs> Can I read my note? One of my notes for this song. Nope. Let's hear it. It says, <clears throat> and I quote: "Sprawling artistic records like this make me realize how basic I am." <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm Josh. like, like oh, Josh wow. wants the like Bruce Springsteen like meat and potatoes. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> on a telecaster <laughs> singing about the heartland in a verse chorus format <laughs> wait you don't want them you don't want a song that they where they quote the uh planner of the nazi gas chamber <laughs> i saw that yeah i'm glad you mentioned that and where they say all things bright and spiritual no i do i do really like as a in linear the same song, <laughs> song yes in the same song as a linear song like all my notes are like, I like these parts because that's all the songs are. There's just parts. Right. So I can't be like, this chorus is so catchy. Yes. Because there are no choruses. No, it's just sections. Um, my favorite part, though, was the tremolo picking part at 340. Yeah. I really love the part. It reminds me of like the new Holy Fawn record that came out last year. Oh, like, yeah. They have some moments like that, so mm. I was really digging it. But then they like switched it up and went to that beat at four minutes. So it's like they had 20 seconds of that really cool part, and then they kind of like, switched it up, and I was like, I was ready. I was ready for y'all just to like groove. You wanted more in that for a while. Yeah, yeah. Right. And they're like, "We did this part. Now we're going to this part. Now we're going to this movie." Okay, this that that's my big note on like the whole record. Like the sort of disconnect that it had for me was like there are all of these like individually like super cool parts, hmm. but. For me personally, the way that I connect to music 
And and it was something that I hadn't really articulated until listening to this record is that I more connect to like a groove. And mm. I never felt like I got to groove on this record. I feel like there were there were all these parts, and then every time I start to like dig apart and I'm like, okay, I'm really feeling this, they change it up into something like entirely different. Mm. And it's more of a mental exercise than than I am typically prepared to go through when I listen to music. Yeah, and, that's, and, so, and, and, that's interesting. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, well so I, I was thinking about this, and, and I feel like this is honestly the way, TJ, you and I experience art differently and and what i love about our friendship is is i feel like you know it it goes back to like you know if we want to be as reductive as possible the like vibe guy versus like professor philosopher you know what i mean like <laughs> mm-hmm. like because i feel like you enjoy that challenge and and you enjoy meeting music on that level mm-hmm. and well i I feel like we've talked about this before. Like I don't typically go to music for that experience. I will go to right. other forms of art Film for that experience. TV, like, maybe. yeah, yeah. I'll go to like, I'll watch like some weird, obscure Japanese art film from the seventies or like, I'll read like a novel that's like really hard for me to get through, but then has like a payoff for me at the end but for some reason music i i've never been able to like make that bridge uh, right. uh, of being able to experience music in that way and so like this was another moment on this record where it really started to confirm to, that to like click for me of like this isn't something this is not what i go to music for mm-hmm. i go more for vibe you know and and, right. and for groove so for me like a big part of this was like not that that this was inauthentic it, it was far from inauthentic but it felt so like cerebral and heady for me mm. that it was hard for me to like make a connection i felt like i could feel them counting time signatures in their head counting the measures and like reading the music rather than feeling the music does that make sense it does and and I and you could be right. They might be doing that. I but another that's fine. That's fine. That like 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 that's not a value judgment. You know right. what I mean? No, like I, no, that's... I don't take it that that way. Okay. Like I I I think it's like a a way to explain why it's not landing as much with you, and it makes perfect sense. If if you're thinking about them thinking about being really cerebral, how would you be able to like really access like that kind of music? Right. The interesting thing is not that you're wrong about me being, you know, a philosophy nerd or like lyrically oriented when it comes to music or kind of like enjoying the mental gymnastics of enjoying like a certain musical idea mm-hmm. um, back to back with another one, back to back with another one, or like a rhythmic tempos against other rhythmic tempos. It's, it's not that I don't appreciate all of that, but what's interesting and I think you're you're helping me realize that in real time right now. I think I also though those types of projects and and albums and songs and bands are an opportunity for me to let go of all of that sometimes and lean into the surreal and and experience that really heady music 
in a way that doesn't try to analyze it at all. That doesn't try to hook into like, what's the count here? Is this seven, eight? Is this four bars of seven, eight? I'm not thinking at all. I'm not thinking one bit. In fact, I'm experiencing, I'm feeling. And it does have to do with the fact that the music is very complicated. And I think that's what helps me experience awe and like wonder. But it's so much more. And this is a great example of this band. This album is a great example of an experience that's a journey kind of like y'all are talking about the linear song structure, the mm-hmm. bizarre nature of the music, the surreal lyricism. Like it's more about letting it take you on a trip, on a journey, on a voyage. Like it's not so much about, oh, they did that really clever thing where they had a triple meaning on that lyric halfway through the song and then they brought it back later. I'm not even thinking about all of that. I'm really just letting it wash over me. Right. But, yeah. Yeah. But because it's all this weird stuff with like Glockenspiel and Flugelhorn and, crazy like yelling background vocals like stomp clap stuff like it's enough to keep that awe refreshed and refueled every 30 seconds yeah yeah. so it's almost like i have like a a propensity for for awe and wonder that's maybe a little add yeah yeah <laughs> well and yeah. i does that make sense specifically yeah, sure. like with this record and probably like some of the music that you really do with this like what's different about this especially once we get into like the lyrics and like some of the other stuff about the later on this record is that it's not like you don't hear it and you're like, Oh, I relate to this. And like, cause a lot of times like music, you're like, Oh right. yeah, you make it about you essentially. Right. But like in this, you're like, Oh, I'm going to learn about this. Like the, like, especially cause you're like, this is like about, this is a lot of Japanese in here. And you're like, I'm going to learn about Japanese culture. <laughs> right. 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 People like it kind of takes you to that place where you're thinking about other people and learning other stories. Mm-hmm. And then internal, obviously like, from the morals of the stories, you do then reflect that upon your life. But it's not the immediate reaction of like, oh, how do I make this music about me? Right. It, it doesn't oh, yeah, do that. It doesn't allow you to do that. Yeah. 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 It's like branching out a little bit. And the yeah. process of branching out and going somewhere weird yeah. is what inspires and like gives me awe and like helps me kind of. Right. Yeah. Back. Yeah. And, and, and this goes back to like, I don't typically seek that out within music like i seek Mm. out music more as a comfort Mm. yeah that makes sense it's comfort food i'll seek out these types of themes and things within other art forms and yeah i just find that so fascinating it's just like so cool i don't know i don't know man (laughs) i'm just like i don't know i i love when we get into these kinds of conversations where we're like we're all like a little exhausted uh, but we're so we're all letting like a little bit more of like our we kind of let those walls down a little bit and can get a little deep. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I think so, it's really fascinating. So, Josh, where do you fall then at this point in time? Like it it's sounds... no Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't even I don't even mean in specific relation to Anathala or this album. But like as we talk about and kind of like what you sort of go go to music for what is the experience that you're sort of looking for with music? Like Kylan described like comfort and groove and vibe. And like, I'm talking about awe and like things that challenge me and are kind of taking me to weird places. Like how would you describe you, your pursuit of music or what you look for in like going to music? That's a great question. I would probably land more and I don't have a great answer for it right now at this time. I would probably land more in line with Kylan and where he is, where it's like, and I think a lot of it for me is like, 
I'm looking to, like I've noticed over the years that as I stopped like trying to write heavy music and stuff like that, I stopped listening to a lot of heavy music and stuff. So I think Mm -hmm. like I listen to music as like, what are things that will inspire me that I can use for my own musical pursuits or that I'll like try to take into other things that I'm doing or like, how can they inspire me? And that's why there's like certain genres that I'm like, I don't have anything against them, but I'm not into country because I'm not trying to write country music kind of stuff. Like I don't go out of my way to listen to stuff like that Mm. right now. So Mm. that's my short, very uninspiring and un grandiose answer you're so basic right now but you're it so is inspiring because it's all about inspiration so it's about yeah. what you can yeah. relate to and what you can be inspired by that's yeah. what i'm hearing yeah just yeah. cool Something like that that makes sense art that fuels art guys we're only on track three on like art, one of the like, longest what? records that we've numbers? covered <laughs> what it fuels art like when you paint by oh numbers. oh yeah that's nice. nice all right guys let's move on to track no oh wait wait i have to say uh hoodwink oh, yeah you're reading one and a half one and a half Glockenspiels. <laughs> so let's move on to track number four by number. <laughs> Wait, guys, are they a faux metal band? Like, if there were guitars. I wrote, Ooh, I like these drums. You oh, know. for sure. Yeah, the because then cool. I immediately wrote, "Ooh, I do not like these horns." <laughs> <laughs> but if they were like chuggy metal guitar stabs instead of horns, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's an ambitious leap. It 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 is <laughs> <laughs> an ambitious c- cacophonous leap. Yes. Ooh, cacophonously. That's that. Everyone, take a drink. Josh used an SAT word. <laughs> Josh did. Nice. I did. Yeah, that means you take two drinks. Um, cool. I like the weird sort of like circusy kind of feel to this. Oh, I wrote circusy too. Circusy, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. This has a real eight. like uh, hush sound kind of did this too. That real like circusy mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, and yeah, some of these grooves are so good. There's a guitar line at two fifteen that's like so good. It's very like the song goes into very like Midwest emo. Like apple seed cast kind yes. of like sunny day real estate kind of thing. Yeah, and I thought this song would have some sections that you would appreciate, Kylan. Exactly. Yeah, the there were there were lots of those, those, man. Cool. Yeah. Like I said, I I enjoy all of these minutes. all of these things in part. I think my right. big problem is all of it as a whole. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? See, and this this um, brings up something I wrote on this song, which was, it's like Decemberist trying to do metal. Um, and I, I wonder what you would say, Callan, because this album has a lot of moments that feel like a Decemberist concept album. It feels Very like Decemberist. I, I wrote that. I wrote that like multiple like, times, but it's like Decemberist that were into Japanese folklore instead of like Shakespeare. <laughs> Right. You know, it's like... Well, The Crane Wife is a Japanese fairy tale, too. Right, right. But... But by and large, their work is more uh, Eurocentric. It's very... Yes, Eurocentric. It's more like taking Eastern influences into these, like, Decemberist Eurocentric styles, yeah. So do you think that might be part of what makes Decemberist land for you when it does their work, where... 
this one is the struggle? It's like the, the no, cultural difference? I, no, it's not. I don't want to make it like a cultural thing. I think for me, going back to like what I look to for music, the reason the Decemberists sort of resonate with me more is they tend to use more of a pop verse, song chorus, verse, chorus structure. Yeah, it's that it's those like repeating things, and yep. Anathalo doesn't they they don't repeat anything, and they have like yeah. really cool ideas that right. I wish they would like build Go upon. Back to. Yeah, but it just seems like this album is like bursting with like every cool idea, right? That they have, which is yep. which is cool to a certain extent, but it's like. I wish you would maybe like find some of those ideas and maybe like repeat them. It, it might connect a little bit more for me. Right. And probably for a lot of listeners. Yeah. I think, I think that makes a lot of sense. It would make it more relatable on a listening level. Yeah. For sure. Um, for sure. I gave this one flugelhorn. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. I will say, I am not into the minor circusy sound. You don't like circus music? I don't like circus music. Wow. And I think I don't like circus stuff in general. That makes sense. To like, me. like I know that like you don't strike me as early, like a circus guy. Early Bruce Springsteen, <laughs> like he has a lot of fascination with circuses. And I'm like, absolutely like I do not want to hear any song that you're like Bruce is like, oh he has that one song on uh Wild the Innocent, whatever about crazy billy circus show i'm like that's the last thing i want to hear is a song about a circus bruce <laughs> like like i do not want to hear about that so move along i don't know if i have some circus ptsd trauma or whatever but yeah <laughs> I, as someone who is like really into like spooky halloween sounding music i'm not into the minor circusy right. chamber folk pop when they do that stuff, gotcha. I'm like, no, yeah, I'm not into it, this. it's like it's similar enough that like y- you feel like you should, but it's like, yeah, I love. It's not like I want all my music to be really nice and majory and pretty, right? Time. But it's like, like I love horror movies. I love slasher movies. I don't love most like supernatural horror movies. Hmm. You know right. what I mean? From an outside view, it's like, well, you like horror movies, right? It's like, no, there, there's all these like little striations <laughs> of of types of of horror movies, and I like this little thing. Don't love that. I get exactly what you're saying, Josh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. This song is really interesting to me because it does all that weird stuff, but it's definitely not my favorite. Uh, I like that they took a big swing on it with all these weird ideas and. Obviously, the linear thing doesn't bother me. It, I do have moments where I hear a really great hook or riff or whatever, and I'm like, oh, they should go back to that. Um, but by the time we move on to the next section, I'm, I'm so enamored with it. and, and You're, in, really you're into in. the next section that you're like, oh, I'm like, it's fine. Yeah, I just kind of go yeah. on the journey. But my favorite thing on this song was at the end where they do like the gang vocal kind of yell talk. I do singing. like that part a lot. Yeah. Like... It's just so fun. Like, I, I never yeah. knew what they were saying. I still don't know. I haven't looked up the translation. I don't want to because I kind of like the ambiguity of, Not like, another really. language. And they're just so joyful. It's, like, pure joy. And I don't need to know the translation. I kind of just embrace the, the unknown on it. Oh, yeah. 
Nope, that's exactly what I said. The Japanese sing-along at the end is fun. Yeah, it's a blast. It's it just is. like a good time. It is a great time. Pure joy. And there was, uh, I like the moment at two minutes as well, where like the guitar part, kind of what we were talking about, where Kyle was saying that like Midwest yes, emo kind of guitar part. So like, cool spot. there were moments that I did enjoy in the song, like parts, but for right. the most part, there was a lot of that. Minory weird circus stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Josh got creeped out. Yeah, Josh doesn't like circuses. <laughs> All right, guys, let's move on to track number five. Dokoise house parentheses with face covered. I like that. called the Dequa's house. Well, he I'm says sure that's he not said, right at all. He says he know well that that that's your French coming through. I know. I know it is. Because <laughs> he he says the word in the song, which right. is what made me think. The lyrics don't start until 1 minute 45 seconds. So you have to scrub a while to find where he says it. Yeah. I do love the xylophone at this point because it's like rain trickling down, like it's like mm like rain falling on a warm day and it's like very bright outside and the bells are like the splashes of raindrops kind of like refracting sunlight and like I don't know it's just I have a really pretty visual in my head when I every time I hear that bell part I really like it I get it it's super cool so so this was what they opened their Japanese show with uh that it's I a watched great opener. online Oh, it, so they played the is, record, but they didn't play it in... No, no. I think it was just like a regular show, but they played most oh, of these okay. songs. Hmm. Everyone seems super into it. I love the drums. I love the claps. I love the shaker. I cannot, for the life of me, get past the like 7-4 time signature of the whole song. Because it goes back once again to like vibe and groove. The whole song is like four, one measure of four, four, one measure of three, four. So that ends up mm-hmm. being seven, four, right? Mm-hmm. Seven, eight. Yeah. Seven, eight. And it just like, it just puts me on edge. And it's like, I want to like jam out and I want to clap. I want to dance. I want to like. So your mind can't hook into the seven and groove in the seven? No, it cannot. Am okay. I. <laughs> Because that's what I do. Once I figure it out, I'm like, okay, this is awesome. It's seven. I'm locked in and I'm grooving in seven. Yeah, I can't do even. it. I can't it's do bizarre. it. I can't do it. It stresses okay. me out too much. I like because this very easily could also be like my favorite song on the record, but right. I cannot get past the like the seven, eight of it all. Interesting. This is one of my favorites on the record. Yeah, yeah. Josh. It's good. Like That's the lot. thing. It's really good. It's really up there for me. I don't know. I just like I, I can't click into it. I, I can never click into the seven eight time signature. I just I want there to be, be that that one extra measure. I just wanted to like Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to, to resolve. You feel shorted. Yeah, I do. Yeah, and I but that. that's from like thirty plus years of listening to four four. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. I think this like, is my favorite song on the album. Like this part Ooh, is so nice. cool. Like with the little Anna, like vocal part with the Anna, female vocal part. Anna, yeah. Anna. Really good vocal parts in this song. I mean over the whole record, but yeah, especially in this song. 
Then they got some like kind of borrowed chords that they yeah, go on yeah. to. That's they there's a lot a of that in this record. I didn't have. I was like, it happened so many times that I was like, it's not worth calling it out. But I do want to acknowledge that they do have some cool music theory stuff happening oh, yeah. where they throw in a spicy chord and you're like, oh, I didn't expect that. Yeah, that was good. Compositionally delightful, if a little exhausting. Well, admit, that was kind of my big note. Is like not that it is inauthentic. But, like, me getting in my own head, thinking about them, thinking about time signatures, it feels like a bunch of, like, composing students at UNT making music. <laughs> I just wanted... Yeah, you sound like the Pitchfork wanted... review of this record. Hey, I read the Pitchfork <laughs> review of this record and was going to bring it up later. <laughs> that review was fucking rough. It was mean. I think it was mean-spirited, and I the think they song? were trying to be cool. By trying to like oh, no. dig on Anathello just because they sound the way they sound, I didn't think yeah. it was very fair. Like it, it, it didn't seem very academic of of them, whoever wrote it. Right, it wasn't very objective. It felt super mean. Okay, so let let let's just get that out there now. <laughs> now that it's been brought up, yeah. I mean, it. <laughs> said, Floating World is little more than a long list of insufferable pretensions that suggest some psychedelic aspirations. Well, I think the thing that pissed me off about the review was that the whole thing sort of hinged upon, oh, this music's, like, really pretentious. But (laughs) then they also used, like, words and like vocabulary that was very like pretentious. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Pop, like yeah, there is black. Exactly. Yeah, like, I felt like pseudo cerebral guy that's just mad because he doesn't get it, and he like wants to just I don't know point people toward Tame Impala in- instead. And like I love Tame Impala, but it it felt like like a bro that got to write for Pitchfork and <laughs> and knew some SAT words, and he was like. Yeah, I mean... He was like, I've heard too much Sufjan this year. I hate this album. <laughs> right. So... <laughs> Instead of meeting it on its own terms and trying I to, will like, say, critically... Like, there was a lot it. about... Okay, much like the Anathalo record <laughs> itself, there were parts that I really enjoyed, that I really connected <laughs> with, but overall, it left me kind of, like, wanting. You know what I mean? But, like... <laughs> <laughs> Saying the like the phrase Jeff Buckley balladic calisthenics, mm-hmm. and then later on, that's a normal thing people say all the time, yeah. guys. I heard Josh say that earlier. <laughs> I always say that, like, but saying that <laughs> phrase and then saying complexity for complexity's sake is lame. <laughs> Yep. It's like, okay, fuck you, dude. Like, yep. did you hear yourself? A couple yeah, sentences like ago? have a little bit of self awareness. Yeah, this and needs like, to be like a spinoff <laughs> show where we like on Friday we just like tear apart a review that someone yeah. wrote. Online review reviews. That yeah. sounds fun, actually. Yeah. It does sound fun. Yeah, but I agree. I think it was like just didn't have a lot of like fair critique in it. It didn't feel yeah, academic. But to be fair, like like some of the things that that they said in the review, I was like, yes, I a hundred percent agree with this. And then some of it was like, okay, like this is like a little too much for me. Hey man, a broken pitchfork's <laughs> right twice a day. So <laughs> okay, I gave this song one half of a bass drum on an amp stand. Nice. <laughs> I like that. 
It was yeah, very I gave it personal. One Ohana, Ohana. <laughs> Man, it's that's still stuck in my head. Yeah, that's pretty good. It's, it's so but the Glockenspiel started to get on my nerves at this point. <laughs> Oh, you didn't like my raindrop analogy? That didn't change it for no, you? No, no, that was beautiful. I enjoyed it. I loved it. I loved it. I enjoyed it. I loved that more than I loved listening to Glockenspiel <laughs> for six goddamn minutes. <laughs> okay, let's That's move on to track number six. Hannes Good luck. Saka Gigi? Han- <laughs> oh my God, that's so bad. <laughs> I think that's it. I think, you, I think you nailed it. Before we do, yeah. though, can I give a... The small Cliff Notes version of some context for the Hanasaka GG series. Yes, I want to talk about the the folktale because I love it. It's like the most Japanese thing ever. It is. I'm, it's super I'm, Japanese. I'm obsessed with it. Okay. Hanasaka GG for A Great Wind More Ash is the name of the song. So let's get into the story that yes. inspired these. And provide some context. Yeah, so it's it, what I can find is it was published in 1908, but I'm sure it dates long, long before that, mm-hmm. um, as far as the actual origin. But it's yeah, it's this great Japanese folk tale about uh, an old couple that had a farm uh, and a dog. And the super fast version is they had a cranky neighbor, and uh, they were really sweet. They were really kind people. One day, the old man takes the dog out to his field. And the dog goes and digs up a part of uh, the ground under a tree and finds a treasure, a bunch of riches, some gold coins. And the cranky neighbor sees all of this and thinks that he can profit from this. And so he asks to borrow the dog, borrows the dog, because he thinks he can do the same thing, right? The dog's like, I'm not going to do this for you, but whatever. And the guy's really mean to the dog. And so he kind of makes him, like forces him to dig. And he just digs in a random spot. And he turns, it turns out he finds like this gross pile of like refuse or like rotting. There's version that's like rotting flesh and bones. There's a bunch of different versions, but it's like gross stuff, right? So the guy gets really mad. Not treasure. Yeah, it's the opposite. It backfires. The guy gets really mad and uh, kills the dog out of his anger. And then when the kind... Uh, dog owner, we'll call him Hana, okay, Hana. So when Hana finds out, he's like, oh, well, can I at least, you know, have the the remains of my dog? And he takes the remains of the dog back, and he builds a mortar out of the remains of his dog um, that is used to make food. So then he makes these rice cakes out of this mortar. But it turns out there's a magic kind of element to this thing, maybe the spirit of the dog, is is benevolently giving some you know blessing to the to the old couple and the rice cakes are just infinite they're just like popping off out of the mortar like constantly so the neighbor sees this and he's like hey lend me the mortar man like let me borrow the mortar he tries to do the same thing and instead i think what does it do it like something happens that's like horrible i can't remember this part the the neighbor tried to do it and then it turned into like putrefied berries yeah it was like just garbage yeah and so he gets mad and he starts like burning it because he's just pissed and he burns the whole thing down down to ash and the kind man goes back over to the house and he's like hey man where's my mortar like we're really missing those infinite rice cakes (laughs) and and he's like oh this is all the most japanese thing ever it is and he's like, oh, I burned it, man. And he's like, well, can I just have the ash? Because it was really important to me because this was from the remains of my dog and da-da-da-da. And so he's like, fine. So he takes the ash, 
And then as he's walking back to... This is my favorite to, part, by the it's way. It's so good. This yeah. is my favorite part. <laughs> when he's he's walking back to his house and then he sees his trees and they're like all withered up and they're kind of dead and dying. And he spills some ash on the tree and then they bloom to life. All of a sudden they blossom and they come back to full health. And it's amazing. And he's like, this is incredible. Like, I don't understand. And word travels um, because people know that the the garden in this man's yard just kind of burst to life um, out of death. And um, and so the Daimo, which is like an earl, sends a knight to the guy's house. And he's like, hey, the Daimo's trees are sick and withered. He needs you to come use use your magic and, and bring the trees back to life. So then he goes to the Daimo's property and the Daimo loves him and he brings his trees back to life. And it's amazing. And everybody, you know, celebrates. And the Daimo names he him. Like- showers him with gifts okay yeah gold and like i think like sake or something and and then the daimo's like from here on out you're going to be known as hanasaka gigi and it means like the man who made withered trees bloom or something like that Mm -hmm. and so then you'd think it'd be over right happy ending we're done this is the most japanese part (laughs) (laughs) the the angry neighbor's back and he's still so like you the the definition of insanity is trying the same thing and expecting a different result this guy is insane he thinks he can fake being his neighbor and get the daimo's favor right and earn his all you know the same things gold and riches and whatever and so he pretends to be his neighbor he pretends to be hanasaka gigi and the daimo's like you don't look like the guy but okay fine so he's like, all right, show me what you can do. Oh, and I forgot, the neighbor stole some of the ash back from the the the, the friendly neighbor and from Hanasaka Gigi. And he tries to make the trees go alive again, and it backfires. It totally fails. And, and the ash all goes into his face. Goes into the Daimo's face and into his face, and it's burning their eyes. And the Daimo's pissed, and he hates the guy. And he's like, you're a fake and we're going to th- we're going to throw you we're going to lock you up throw you in jail and the end of the story is like just that this guy lives in prison forever for being an imposter and that's the imprisonment that the wicked old man uh had to deal with and the good old man however Hanasaka Gigi with his treasure of gold coins that his dog found for him um became rich and prosperous in his old age happy life beloved and respected by all <laughs> so that's what Four of the songs in this album. I know. Are about. I wish just like the whole record was about this. And that's like, like the fact that this comes like almost halfway through the record. Yeah. It's, it's like, like crazy. Halfway like, start concept with record? it. Just like make it your whole concept. Yeah. Honestly. And the part that bothers me is, or that I just like don't understand, is why is part four the first track that is a part of this story of the four parts part four is the first track <laughs> it was like in my notes tj do you know why it starts with four no and one, two, three? i don't i'm i'm so confused it it feels like that like super artsy decision of like it, it feels like so a, christopher nolan like yeah, or like, yeah. a, like a tarantino end, move the beginning. of like let's start at the end and then we'll go back to the beginning we'll rewind and, yeah, because it's very strange, totally. It's like I don't it is. It understand. is. Understand. Uh, okay, so let's listen to track number six, Hanasaka GG for a great wind, more ash. But now you understand the subtitle, a great yeah. wind, more ash. Yeah.
How about those drums? So oh, good. Drums. Such a good intro. This is my favorite song on the record. Oh, cool. This is my favorite too. Yeah, it's so good. And you want to know something? What? This is the most streamed song on the record. Really? So, oh, cool. Yes. And then the second most streamed like one was the previous one that with face covered the mm. duck koi house or whatever which i'm like those were two of my favorites no, wait, hey and therefore i need I'm you the to try that again because i had to say the title <laughs> so i need I, everyone i honestly to was not even listening when you said it so i don't even know what well, how to say it but we're on the next song that's <laughs> old hat this song is so good yeah it is very good. so good and then when they do get into a groove his emo voice is like perfect mm-hmm. for it yeah it really is yeah, you can oh, yeah. tell this is like their their emo leanings coming out. But this is the most like this made me want to listen to Architecture in Helsinki. <gasps> totally. Yeah. It's yes. very much like in case we die. Yes. Like it's that even though it's really long, it's the first time on the record where I feel like the length has a point. Mm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? All Even the when it changes parts, time signatures? Yeah, it feels like okay. it has a point because they're trying to like tell this specific story right it felt like they were just kind of fucking off in the beginning (laughs) and then they get to this point they're like okay we have something we want to say so you're here for it because there's like a little concept purpose yeah that makes this one has sweet sweet bass but also oh my god guys for the love of god chill out on the glockenspiel (laughs) well not and what's crazy is like that line is happening in the piano too so they right. could have yeah, just yeah. left it to piano. They and fucking filling up love the same EQ. <laughs> like <laughs> they space. love it so much. They really do. Anathalo loves Glockenspiel. Like, find you a man that looks at you the way that Anathalo <laughs> looks at a Glockenspiel. <laughs> Anathalo plays a Glockenspiel. <laughs> oh man, uh, so this good. song's really fun. I like it. It's good. Yeah, no, I like this one a lot. I'm yeah. already so tired. We're not even halfway through this record. Oh. <laughs> I do want to say before I knew about the Japanese story or whatever, uh, if you have the song, the words ash, urn, and wind in your song, I'm automatically going to think of the Big Lebowski. And that is also uh, <laughs> hey, something that that's I enjoy. Just your so. opinion, dude. It's <laughs> <laughs> like your opinion, man. man. <laughs> yeah. No, so that was, that was fun. But that's maybe great. the Coen brothers were kind of riffing on the Hanasaka Gigi tale for that scene, you know? Maybe so. They probably, it wouldn't surprise me if they were. A little literary reference. They yeah. probably did. They probably did. Probably. But no, I like this one a lot. Yeah, it's really Overall, great. Overall, very fun. The yeah, way it grows the, in this second good. half, too, is really cool. I'm like here it for it. back. I'm here for all of it. This one yeah, got two piccolos from Two me. piccolos <laughs> from <laughs> Kylan. Two piccolos. Very nice. All right, guys, let's move on to track number seven. Hanasaka Gigi, parentheses, one, The Angry Neighbor. Yeah, it is fun having all this context. Yeah, it is. I want to say, though, I think I know why they have an angry neighbor. It's because they were just at their house recording themselves laughing like this. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I would be an angry neighbor, too. If like No, guys, that wasn't the right laugh to take. Do it again. And I was like, bro, I get it. I'd be mad, too. (laughs) That's so great. 
My favorite part of this is when he says slugs and bugs and slugs and bugs. And blood. I wrote yeah. that too. Because he sounds so, sin- like he sings it so sincerely. Yes. <laughs> and it's such a silly line. It is. And, it, and that, that dichotomy is really wonderful. I wrote, so thankful for a three-minute song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, this gets half a trombone for me. Half a trombone. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, overall, I think I enjoy parts of this song. I'm not as crazy, and especially coming off of like the previous two songs, which I did like a lot. I'm not as crazy about this one, but it's fine for the most part. I kind of wish they had just kept the Hanasaka Gigi stuff like its own thing, like an EP like, or I, something. I, I, yeah, like I feel like it loses its impact when it's put in the record in this way. Right. It it because they also like split it up a little right. bit, you know? Yeah. And so I don't know. I, I think it would have done really well as an EP. Yeah, it is just interesting how they split it up and the choices to split yeah. it up and like have a, and it's they don't even just do like four, one, two, three all in a row. They have other songs peppered in between yeah. them. Yeah. yeah it's kind of strange. And I don't know if it is kind of that heady, like we'll tell the end of the story and then the beginning. But I do, I would really love to talk to them about that. Like, I am, like, genuinely curious as to why they ordered it the way they did and whether they thought maybe thematically was more impactful that way. Because the third one is the man who made Dead Trees Bloom. So, like, that's mm-hmm. the title. That's his name, like, the Hanasaka right. Gigi. And so maybe they felt like that was the, the core of the story. Like Maybe they, like, ended it on a happy note. You know? Right. They're going to like his identity as yeah. as the final thing. We'll get there. Yeah, but hey, man, can we just talk about the mix though? Like Matt Goldman showing up, y'all. Matt right? Goldman, come on, Goldman, bro. Goldman. Matt Goldman, like the drums. <laughs> Let's talk the, more about Matt Goldman on this episode, piano, guys. the guitars, yeah. like everything. Nothing is too crowded. Like to have this kind of chamber folk, like massive. Okay. Like instrumental layering. Well, okay. So this all goes back to what I talked about on our Sufjan Christmas episode. I feel like every Sufjan record is like the score for an indie movie that I haven't seen. Yep. And that's exactly what this feels like. That's this. Yep. Totally. And it's about Hanasaka Gigi. And it kind of makes me mad that, like, I haven't seen this movie. (laughs) (laughs) It needs to exist. It should be one. It should be. Totally. Guys, I was kind of joking about talking more about Matt Goldman, but can we, for just a second, talk about Matt Goldman? Of course. Always. Obviously, he's known for, like, producing Define the Great Line and Lost in the Sound of Separation and every D Chariot record that's ever existed and 68. So, obviously, he knows, like, but he works with Josh Coggan. Like, dude knows how to do crazy, heavy, chaotic stuff. Do but you think then, he had a good time making this record? I think so. Maybe he's like, it's chill, you know? Like, <laughs> he's like, I just recorded the fiance for the chariot. This is a nice break. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it also offered like a lot of different challenges because the chariot didn't have flugelhorn, you know? So he got to like kind of stretch his mixing muscles a little bit that, that he. This honestly would have probably happened. Right after, or a f- one or two records after Son I Loved You. Yeah, right. Timeline wise. Yeah. So this is right around that time. Dude, that's crazy. 
to think of. It is crazy. And so cool. But it like, makes me impressed yeah. with him even more. Yeah, <laughs> but like, but like he did like the first, I think, three Copeland records. Yeah. And like he's just so, and he does it all. Like this is, could not be more different than yeah. any Josh Goggin record, but right. like he does them both super well. Perfectly. Though. For what they need. Man. Yeah. Way to be Matt Goldman. Delivering the goods, man. Always is. Serving it up. Sweet. Well, let's move on to track number eight. Inu, parentheses, Howling. Okay, my headcanon for this song is that it's the neighbor wallowing in his misery after he was imprisoned for trying really? to really because that's so interesting because my headcanon is it's the dog yeah the dog because, just died because the yeah the the big part of the story for me is the dog because mm. the dog is just a regular dog okay and you then sold me. all of these expectations I'm, were set I'm up mine out <laughs> all these <laughs> expectations were thrown to the dog of like Oh, and this so neighbor true. came and like killed him. Yeah. Because he didn't live up to these expectations. Yeah. And then he is he just like, sacrifice. dude, I'm just a fucking dog. Like, but, I just found this stuff. But because that dog ruled, he like gave and gave and gave and gave after yeah, that. Yeah. It's almost know? like, like there could be like a Jesus comparison. Mm hmm. Of like, yeah, I think there's a, a little bit of like a. I'm sure they tied in there, yeah. Christ metaphor in there. That's so good because my only note for this was just okay. So <laughs> I like this conversation a lot more than than my notes initially let me. Yeah, because if you think about it, there's three movements. There's like the dog finding the gold and then dying, right? And that's like the crucifixion, and then right. The three well, days, because I feel like I like, feel like lyrically. The mortar. A lot of the, the Hanasakajiji stuff is written from the perspective of the dog. Right. Or at like, least I feel like, like that's kind of what the, they're focusing it, as on. As a central character, yeah. Right. Yeah, that's like the, the like Hanasakajiji is the obvious protagonist, but the real protagonist underneath was the dog. Much like Yomo del Toro talked about the cricket being the true protagonist and yeah. not Pinocchio. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, this this <laughs> album makes so much sense. Like, like, like for you, TJ. Like for everything that I know, and and I hope that for listeners of this show. Oh gosh, I'm sure we've bored like seventy five percent of people. Oh my god. Well, fuck them. The people that are bored by this, because hey, I will tell you. Wow, you just told our listeners that. That's fine. Listeners That's fine. Value because you we want. Much, so. I want to find listeners that value these conversations the same way that I do. Because, I like TJ, that. you know, I know, we all know that on a purely aesthetic level, I did not enjoy this album. <laughs> but you know what I do enjoy? I enjoy this conversation about this album. Yeah, and I yeah. love talking to you about it. Yeah. Like, I think that's like super rad. Yeah. And I think that I think that's okay. CJ and listeners take a drink. The beauty of this podcast <laughs> <laughs> is that we can come at these things from all of these different perspectives and mm. have really engaging, interesting conversation. 
100%. And it recontextualizes the album, even if you don't walk away thinking exactly sonically that's my favorite. Like, hopefully you've got a different sort of, like, understanding or or experience with it on some level. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah. And like I said, like, it helps me connect to you more, like, as a person. Right. Like, I feel like I know you a little bit better from having listened to this record. I appreciate that, man. Yeah. Wow. And all my uh, chamber folk weirdness. And yeah. meanwhile, Josh <laughs> is getting acquainted with the idea of his bed. He's yeah. yawned like three times <laughs> in the last Josh, 30 seconds. No, he's yawned like <laughs> eight times. I know. He's ready for bed. All right, guys. This, All is, right. this is, is a very long record, and we are going very late. So, okay, let's move on to track Next number nine, track. Hana Sakajiji, to Floating World. But it's a subtitle. It is. Yeah, oh, yes. I like it. Uh, Inu, oh, yeah. parentheses, howling, got no extra instruments. No instruments. Ooh, Hana, oh. Oh, yeah. This one. No, okay. I do have notes for this one. I don't like his voice on this one. Hmm. What do, what do you think it is about it? It's that too, like, head voice kind of thing. Hmm. I also don't love, and this is a purely personal aesthetic thing. This song goes into like a, like Louisiana, New Orleans kind of thing. Oh, interesting. I haven't and thought I about feel it that like way. Every band that has white people that play horns has like, feels like they have to do like a New Orleans pastiche at some point. <laughs> Um, but I will say what gives them the benefit over a lot of other bands is they utilize the theremin quite a bit. <laughs> That's true. Classic New Orleans there. styling, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Theremin. It's that specific kind of like trumpet sound, like yeah. with the mute like the in the mute. trumpet. Yeah. Wah, 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 Wavering wah, wah, wah. the mute thing. Yeah. Hmm. I hadn't thought I about it that it. way. I don't love it, but... I get it. I get why it's like within a certain type of like intellectual like music consumption. Like I understand its importance. Hmm. But yeah. it, it it verges right on the line of like cliche for me. Right. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, I think I was so wrapped up in it being like the like Honda Sakajiji like grieving his dog. Like cause that's what this right. is. Like so and the right, which, which that makes weird sense with drunken like the, horn the, thing is like he's like you know deep in grief and kind of wailing and like uh it's messy you know so i like wasn't even thinking about it in terms of like what does this sound like genre wise or like what are they aping it was more just like well does this yeah. emote effectively or whatever well, but now whole, that you like, say it i'm like, like yeah <laughs> mourning thing it. is like the whole like new orleans funeral Right. kind of thing like like yeah. there's a lot of like death and resurrection and stuff like involved in that so it right. makes sense as like that they would evoke someone that. from the united states that is like trying to like find what is the quickest cultural touchstone i can find with these instruments to signify like 
mourning and death with like a possibility of resurrection and things like right. that, which is a big part of the story with like the dog coming back in dreams right. and visions. New Orleans voodoo, like all of that stuff, like makes the most sense. Like intellectually, I fucking love this. Like I want to <laughs> watch this movie. Right. I right. don't want to listen to this record, but I want to watch this movie. <laughs> That's funny. It's almost like I had the movie playing in my head and that was enough when I was listening. And now yeah. that you're now that you're saying that it, I'm sense. like, me too. I, I wish this movie really existed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Guys, this is my least favorite song on the record. <laughs> really? I do not like oh, it. Wow. That makes I sense. I do Josh. not like this at all. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, you don't this like circus stuff. So like... New Orleans funeral stuff is like very closely adjacent to circus that. adjacent <laughs> circus stuff. It's circus yeah, adjacent. I get it. Sure. It makes sense. Yeah. Okay. It was a bummer. <laughs> it was a bummer. Well, let's move on to track number 10 The Bruised Reed. Are you a bruised reed? Smoldering flax. Are you a broken branch? Oh, oh, oh. do you love Those piano sounds are really nice. Which is they wild are. because, okay, I weirdly loved Hanasaka GG2. This is my least favorite song on the record. Is it? Yeah. Oh, really? I wrote no notes except for it got half a melodica. Half a melodica from Kylan. I mean, it is the longest song. So, and it's the most boring. Wow, I have a lot of notes on this song. Actually. Okay, well, I'm gonna shut the Whoa. fuck up and let you go, talk. Josh. Go. All right, they have that pause and the horns at 43 seconds, mm-hmm. which I thought was weird. I first thought my Spotify was like buffering, and I was like, <laughs> and then, yeah, I was like, yeah, what? Because and then I it comes back, rewound in. it again, and then it comes back. I was like, oh, that was intentional. Um, I wrote the most lyric notes on this song. They have the one stanza, and they're like, I think, comparing and contrasting, like referencing Satan and Jesus, like Lucifer and Jesus, where they have mm-hmm. one will sift his wheat, which is what Jesus says to Satan has wanted to sift you like wheat, Peter. Mm-hmm. And it says one will come with robes, which I'm like, Jesus, question mark. And then it says one will slice your ankle, which obviously a, another reference to Lucifer, mm-hmm. Satan. And then it says love, 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 which I'm like, Maybe Jesus? I don't know. I, I kind of see them as like, this is Satan, this is Jesus, this is Satan, or this is like a Jesus figure, I right. think. Because obviously those are two diff, like direct references to Satan, Lucifer, in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming the foil of that would be Jesus. Right. I, 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 the first part of the song I'm not crazy about, but then like 3.30 on, I do enjoy. And specifically, I think it's the part at... Five minutes and 22 seconds, there's like this guitar part comes in here. And I think that's my favorite moment on the entire record. Oh, nice. But yeah. then again, it's only for like 10 seconds and then they change it up. Yeah, you which want is they, real... they, they don't like groove on anything. Yeah. And yeah. every time which... they come up with a cool new idea, then they just move on. <laughs> Bringing it back to Matt Goldman, this is a real The Chariot move because The Chariot does this on a lot of songs where they finally settle into a groove. I'm like, yes, I like this. And then they just change it immediately. I'm like, guys, <laughs> go back to that part. What like, you I had like was that. good. 
Yeah. yeah. So other than it changing and going away so quickly, I'm like, I, that might be my favorite moment on the record musically. It's so good. Mm. And they use sleigh bells in a non-Christmas song, so props. <laughs> yeah, respect for that, for sure. Yeah, I like your I like your uh, Jesus and Lucifer sort of dichotomy thing, because um, I I do th- I do feel like it works with our idea of like tying the the dog to like a Christ metaphor, because again, this song to me the the intro lines of "Are you a bruised reed, a smoldering flax, or are you a broken branch?" ties back to the imagery of like the withered and dying trees, right? And then kind of this this sort of paradoxical or dichotomous relationship between like the angry neighbor and Hanasaka Gigi, like the goodness and sort of like selfishness thing. And then at the end, it's like, again, like a, I think like a scripture reference, when I speak, I cough them out, gather them up in my arms and swallow them back down. And it's like the, like if they're lukewarm, if you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out. Again, it's this very surreal lyricism. Like, yeah. You can't yeah. totally lock into it and be like, this is definitely what it's about. Yeah, but it gives you which ideas like. of like, maybe they're kind of, which, yeah, lyrically, there wasn't a lot on this record that I was like, I don't, I know what this guy's talking about or what he's kind of inferring. But on this one, it was cool to be like, oh, I think at least that idea is semi-present enough for me to latch onto it. Right. So I like that. Also, this little gang vocal, like, da, 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 is very, it feels very like Sufjan. Like early Sufjan, kind of scrappy. Song was so long, guys. It was so <laughs> long and so late in the record. I'm just like, okay, <laughs> okay, okay. I can tell you're trying though, bud. I appreciate. I'm that. trying. Hey, I'm trying hey, so hard. Hey, hey I've been engaging with this record here though. It's coming in like my favorite part of the whole record. It's so good. But then it's gone so quickly. And then the way this guitar part comes in here, like right here. I knew. That's the thing is like all of these parts individually are so good. But you could take so each of these parts and develop them out into songs that are just as long. Like if they'd taken each part and written a song based on it or like one or two. Yes, dude. They could have you like could honestly make like <laughs> an EP out of each of these parts, like each of these songs. Just expand them out. It would be yeah. so good. I would be yeah. here for it. That's true. You're not wrong. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to track number 11. Yuki, Yuki, Yuki. Bless you. Fun fact, this song was featured in a VIX commercial in no. 2007. No. What? Yeah. That's not real. No, for real. And I'm <laughs> honestly crazy. surprised that this song was not in more trailers for mid-2000s independent dramedies. Yes, that because makes that's sense Because that's the whole vibe of this song. Yeah. <laughs> Every movie by Fox Searchlight, like... Post Garden State, <laughs> I was gonna say should have just used this song in their trailers because 100%. that's the whole vibe. A Vix commercial. I was gonna say Zach Braff is, is in all of them, right? Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> that little thing piano. This, especially is it, that, that part, little part? like yeah. baroque piano. Da, 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 da. That's my only note on this song. <laughs> it's a good. Note. Got, I said, but hey, you know what? It got one and a half shaker gourds. 
<laughs> Very nice. I like yeah. that a lot. I said, this is nice. I don't have any other notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And honestly, guys, even like even for me, that was a lot of this listening experience. And that's part of why I like this album and part of why I like a lot of that music, as I explained earlier. Like right. sometimes I just let it wash over me and I don't even have like analysis or notes to like yeah. get into. And, you don't and, have to. and I'm like, it still bops for me. And, no, I get it. But I also really appreciate that this track was a minute and 14 seconds. <laughs> Me too. <Same>. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Okay, let's move on to track number 12. Hanasaka Gigi, The End. Number three, The Man Who Made Dead Trees Blossom. sleigh bells now and that piano is so pretty it really is i wish they would just put the four hanasaka gg tracks together just make an ep make like a 40 minute album of just the hanasaka gg stuff i would be so here for it like the way that like thrice did the alchemy index i get it like 2006 especially if you're like a weird chamber folk group and especially, like, Sufjan Stevens has, like, blown up. You, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, like you're trying to find where you fit into this, like, cultural space. Right. I understand why they made the record this way. I don't love listening to it now. But, like, from a musician's standpoint and from, like, a storyteller's standpoint, I get why they made the decisions that they made. Right. Yeah. Especially like you said, in 2006, in that kind of genre sphere. Well, I even get the idea of like, like I feel like the Bruce Reed can like, if they would have structured it to where it was like, here's a Hanasaka Gigi song. And then here's another song that's kind of like developing an idea from within that story. Like, here's Mm -hmm. how we want to contribute to kind of, the narrative in a way and like each of the original like the Hanasaka Gigi songs had an accompanying like original song with it Mm -hmm. as like this is us diving into an idea from this story this part of the story like that would make sense to me which that's how I see the Bruce Reed as like maybe a continuation of the floating world and like Cuckoo Spitting Blood maybe as part of a continuation of this one yeah but it's just interesting how they structured it. Like, we're going to wait till we get to track like six to start this story and then right. maybe have our own spins on some sto- some ideas. Present. And also I get from like the band perspective of like, this is our shot. Like, right. this is where we get what we do out to the world. So let's right. get every idea out. Right. And I feel yeah, like there's we, a desperation about- in that first full record. Right. Like, right, yeah. You want to get every single idea out. Right. This is not their first record, though. Well, is it, no, it's not they, the first... they, they released they... three EPs independently. This was their first on a label. Oh, yeah. but they've... Yeah, they have Luminous Luminescence and the Atlas Position and Sparrows. Yeah. 
Yeah. So th- they had done three independent EPs, and this was the but first time like, they like EPs got that are so long though that they're so like length EPs right. though. So I feel like I I'd count their Anathalo EPs. Yeah, yes. but you know, <laughs> I get that. Like if, if I had been just like doing singles or EPs, and someone was like, "Hey, here's fifteen thousand dollars." To make a record. I know Donuts. that's like a very like low number, but if someone told me that and I was like, okay, this is like my chance to like show everything that I can do. And if you were them, you'd like put Glockenspiel on every every song, right? So much goddamn Glockenspiel. <laughs> uh I did change on all my ratings. Song, I had so I realized know. I had like four songs that were just like Half a half a Glockenspiel. I was like, it was too much Glockenspiel. <laughs> Even your rating system had too much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this song for me got one kalimba. Nice. Ooh. Yeah. Very cool. I do like my, other than the sleigh bells, my only other note is I do like the callback to, in the lyrics, in this song they say, wash the heel of man mm-hmm. and lick the wound, which is a callback to... Uh, in the bruised reed versus mm-hmm. one will slice your ankle. So I do like mm-hmm. that as a lyrical callback. Yeah. yeah that's cool. And like the callback slash follow through. And like it's kind um, of a dog reference to like licking wounds. Like the it's wound, like a yeah. dog, you know, thing. And also the what, one line in this song that I really liked was the the land was dry as dead. <laughs> mm. Like that's, that's not... It's like it, it, we could have a whole grammar jams now thing about it, but like I don't want to because it's perfect. You well, know? it it feels like the whole thing of like TJ. I know that you're just as big of a Murakami fan as yeah. I am. Yes, and it feels like that kind of thing. So like basically, totally. what he does when he writes, he'll like write in Japanese. And then he'll translate it to English mm-hmm. and then translate it back. back. Yep. Yeah. It's and true. It, it, it feels like, feel like, like, that. yeah, it feels like that sort of process is, is what happened here. Mm-hmm. I think so. Okay, guys, we have two more tracks and we are going we very late. I know we we're very tired. Uh, let's move on this. to track number 13 Cuckoo Spitting I Blood. song title i know it really is i thought this song is really cool but maybe because it's shorter than four minutes <laughs> hey i have a lyric note That's fair some demon in oh. me crawled out and ran away is super rad maybe yeah. my favorite <laughs> lyric on the record yeah it is great i was just gonna say i'm changing my theory from before i think this is the song from the angry neighbors prison cell mm. Yeah, and it's like yeah. a little bit of like a redemption story, sort of. Oh, interesting. Because I like the line where they say, throw your name in the well. But I'm like, is that like a metaphor for like, throw yourself in the well kind of thing to the angry neighbor? I don't know. Maybe. But I do like that as like. He's talking uh, to himself. I do like that as like an expression of like your name representing like you and your legacy. Like you throwing your name into this or you doing this with your name because mm-hmm. of all that you are is also wrapped up into that as well. Right. So that had me thinking. But yeah, I like that. I gave this one and a half Rhodes pianos. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I think we're gonna have a full band after we this. Are. And Colin's gonna that's that's gonna you be might. The, that uh, so for uh, this you guys record. have kind of finally figured out the theme I was going for mm-hmm. with my rating mm-hmm. system. Yep. Put it together. Yeah. Now I after for me, after like the Hanasaki Gigi kind of like wraps up, then I'm like, okay, I feel like the record should be over. Like Right. Yeah. Like it's like me with uh Love Drug and Pretend You're Alive. Like after yeah. those nine tracks, you're like, okay, why are we still doing this? <laughs> I do really like the vocal performance from him on this song. I feel like they finally chilled out uh, compositionally and instrumentally a little bit enough to give him some space. It is like... interesting because I feel like his vocal performance like starts at a certain point, like this very like Sufjan mm-hmm. style, and then it morphs into something else and then it kind of circles back into it. And it's like starting to get back to that point. Yeah, it's very to make cyclical. this whole record feel like very like cyclical. Mm-hmm. Like you could just listen to it again and again and again and again yes. to get different things every time. Yeah, agreed. Okay, let's move on to the last track. Let's do it. Here we go, guys. Track number fourteen, Casa No Hone, The Umbrella's Bones. are like so good the drums are so good and it ties back to the beginning of the record this is what i'm talking about like Mm -hmm. i feel like you could start the record over after this Mm -hmm. and it would tie exactly back in to the end of it agreed it's like a very like aurora boros like Mm -hmm. snake eating its own tail it could just like circle and circle (laughs) and circle and circle yeah never ending infinite loop also i wanted to mention this track the ideas in the in this track and the in the what did how did you say it duck 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 really you're gonna make me say it again duck well because <laughs> I think you were right duck so this oh, track and duck right. are from a collection of Japanese uh, peasant songs yeah yeah oh yeah I I forgot to talk about that yeah those two songs are like the lyrics are taken from traditional Japanese poems right i know this like made me want to like learn japanese Mm -hmm. because it seems so fun (laughs) no i thought this was a good way to end end the record yeah it's kind of mellow but kind of catchy yeah it's a beat okay you guys want to know my my rating system yeah for this song let's hear it okay this song was good it got one too many people on stage (laughs) (laughs) Which is how we end the whole thing. (laughs) So good. It's such a good ending. It's Mm -hmm. so good. And unfortunately, there are too many half glockenspiels and (laughs) half bass drums and half trombones. There's one too many people on stage. But uh, I like that song a lot. Mm -hmm. It was fun. It was like, it feels like a good, like, sing-along song. Yeah. I like the translation. The ribs of the umbrella have fallen apart. The paper is also torn. But with bamboo tied together, do not throw it away. Though I also am torn, don't desert me. Yeah, it's like nice. It's beautiful. Yeah. 
All right, guys, Easy. we did it. We listened through we Anathalo's it. Floating World. Man, and thank y'all for going on that down, journey I'm, with me. Yeah, I appreciate you. Know you. What? Like, I'm sorry that it has to come down to such a reductive it rating system as I Flops think or Bobs. We could just pick which one of us is Hanasaka Gigi, which one of us is the angry neighbor, and which one of us is the dime, the what, the dime, the dime, the the no, I think somebody yeah, should one? be the dog. Oh, brutal. The spirit of the dog that lives I'll on. I'll be the, the sacrificial dog. dog in this episode. <laughs> uh, no, I don't know. I, I feel like I dislike this the most, so I should maybe be the, the neighbor. <laughs> <sighs> but but that doesn't feel like, you know, that, that doesn't tie within the whole narrative because I don't want to be. I want to... Mm. I want to live on and make the cherry blossoms like bloom beautifully. Oh. Uh, okay. I'm just going to say, me, it. tell me, I'm just going to rip the bandaid off. TJ. I did not enjoy listening to this record. <laughs> <laughs> you enjoyed talking about listening to this record. That's what I was about to say, man. <laughs> I so appreciate you bringing this record to us. I enjoyed talking about it like a lot. <laughs> and, and like, honestly, I don't know. I don't know. I always feel so weird when specifically when it's like a wish list record. And I get kind of how you felt about the whole like Jets to Brazil record of like, there are things about this that I really enjoy. Right. And I really enjoy like learning a lot more about my friend through this yep. experience. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm not upset that, like, I'm sorry, Josh, your wishless record, Fireproof, <laughs> made me actually angry. <laughs> yeah, you're not, you had no reservations about that one. I know, like, I know. I know. TJ, I just don't, I want to. <laughs> yeah, you're so, like, apologetic about your opinion yeah. right now. But it, but no, I get well, it, and I'm I appreciate not, it. But, but it's really sweet. I don't know. I appreciate well, it. We've come a long way in this podcast since true. then it's as true. well. You know what I mean? And we've all become fireproof in a way. <laughs> we have all become <laughs> a little fireproof. Um, no, I, I appreciate this record. I appreciate what they were trying to do. I appreciate your love for this record. It makes me understand you more as a musician. That being said, I do not like this record, <laughs> like, at all. I will not listen to it, because my big criteria is, like, will I find myself listening to this record or the majority of this record at some point within the next year? No. Yep. I get but it. But I'm not mad that I had the experience of listening to this record, of finding it, Good. and having conversations, because... CJ and listeners, take a drink. The beauty of this podcast is oh, doing one episode. <laughs> All right, is is that we get to have these different opinions and we get to come to music from different perspectives, mm -hmm. uh, and we get to appreciate different things. and 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 it really did sort of solidify for me that that perspective of I look to music for comfort, and uh, you know, this is obviously being incredibly reductive, but you like that challenge. A little bit more, or or, the or just yes, the awe, and I like talking to you about it. Yeah, man, me too. But I like it too. It is very much a flop for me. 
And it is very <laughs> much a bop for me. And so is this conversation. Though you flopped it. I couldn't well, care less. Yeah. Because yeah. you're bringing your honest you. opinion and we're having a really good conversation about it. And we're watching Josh yawn as he... I know, I know. It um, is so late. It is so I'm late. Sorry. All right. Losing hours I, of sleep. I don't, don't want to keep yawning. But I know. All right. Well, but let's I wrap say, it up so Josh can go to bed because he, he has to work in the morning. Yeah, but I want to say thanks to both of y'all for, for indulging this Wishlist album with me and Dude. going on the chamber folk journey of the spirit of the dog and the Hanasaka um, Gigi <laughs> spirit of hey. friendship that we all found along the way. <laughs> you guys both listened to Paper Roots, Are We All Forgotten? And then talked about it while I had COVID and no one listened to the episode. So that is the sign of true friendship. So like, I'm here for the long haul. We did it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. We're here for Okay, it. Josh. Long in the long haul for this record. Yep. What do you think? I'm basically going to side with Kylan on this, that while I wasn't crazy about the record, I very much enjoyed getting to listen to it at least once and talk about it. And like, I'd never heard about this Japanese uh, folklore tale before or anything like that. So I enjoyed uh, a lot of learning about what this record brought us and the conversation that we had um, overall. And see, the thing is with this, what I wanted to talk about with the linear song structures is like, I don't know. Sometimes when we go into a record and I'm like, Oh, I got to come up with like cool talking points about like stuff. And there's like, there's records that we've covered that I've liked a lot that have been hard to talk about. Mm. And there's records like this that I'm like, I'm not crazy about this, but it's very hard to talk about it. Cause mm. like the first time, the first couple of times I was listening to it, cause every song is linear and it's like cleaning up in the kitchen while I had my headphones in. I was like, I didn't know when one song ended and the next yes. song began. Right. To Kylan's you know, point like, earlier, it's very cyclical. Yeah. Yes, it, which is a cool artistic concept and like way to make your album, but it's like it was stressful for me because I'm like, wait, which song was this? Like, I gotta try to write notes about this, and like, right. I, so I feel like it is definitely an album that is better just enjoyed and listened to right. instead of trying to like critically assess. But maybe after you've been exposed to it and you like learn the ins and outs of it from just enjoying it, you can come at it a little bit more critically because you're familiar with like oh after this part this part comes on right. and then like they're doing this lyrically and so it's just like there's so much happening and it's just it's changing all the time that it was hard to like assess critically in like the span of like a week and be like i feel like i'm confident enough to yeah, talk about this record <laughs> critically on a podcast where people listen to right. us <laughs> um so so yeah so that was a little tough but uh i did have moments of this record I really liked and I did like those two songs specifically in the middle and so yeah it was an enjoyable experience overall about this record and stuff like that but yeah hard to talk about critically it is when I'm yeah or at least like diving into it for the first time that was it was it was a lot but so I will flop it but I will bop this conversation the combo's a bop well I not to um try to change y'all's mind in any way but to maybe give you a glimmer of hope i will say that i think anathalo's follow-up album canopy glow married the best elements of their weird linear chamber folk music with some good old groovy pop structure 
songwriting. I'll say that Pitchfork agrees with you. Well, I don't really care what Pitchfork <laughs> for better thinks, or for worse. But that's great to know. Um, but I, I think y'all would enjoy Canopy Glow if we ever uh, dug into that one at some point down the road. Yeah, we'll, we should take a major Anathalo break <laughs> to give y'all a chance to reset. But I do think they really learned from this experience, like the yeah. the process of making this album where they got to like throw everything at the wall, like you said, Kylan, where they had a budget yeah, and they it, had this it felt one like chance. There was you know? definitely like a a first record syndrome. Yes, a little bit with this, but it's like a first record of people that are huge, like Philip glass fans. Yeah. And like massively talented musicians, more exhausting for the average listener. Totally. So I think they like pared things down in just the right way and married it to some better, like kind of verse chorus stuff, um, on canopy glow. So just to tease that for y'all and for the listeners, if we get there at some point, um, but all that to say, I really appreciate y'all floating in this world with me. It's a floating world, man. Okay, so from all of us at Church Jams Now, we appreciate you going on this journey with us uh, and spreading our ashes among the cherry blossoms. May all your favorite bands stay together and peace out, mon frères. Mon frères.